At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent, being there day and night, and building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey, friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. You guys, I love it when I meet someone and I know immediately I want to have them on the show. That happened with today's guest. Today on the show, I have my new friend. Um, We just met this past year, so I'm going to call her my new friend, Kaylee Morgan. We actually met at Lisa Harper's Kerygma Conference, which, side note, if you can go next year, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Anyhow, Kaylee lives in Florida. I met her there, and she told me that she worked for Be The Bridge, and you guys know how much I love Be The Bridge. And she started sharing with me parts of her story of how she fell in love with Jesus. And I said, you've got to come on and tell my listeners how you fell in love with Jesus. She was a college athlete, and I'll let her tell the whole story. But God just works in the craziest ways, and you're going to hear that in her story today. You guys, we're almost halfway through the month of July, which is crazy. And if you're not a member of our book club, I'm just saying you might want to join. This month, we're reading a book by Russell Moore. It comes out in August, but we got an early copy. And so we're reading it together. And then he's coming on to do a conversation, a live conversation with us where we can talk about it. I really have high hopes for the Happy Hour Book Club. Because what I want to do is two things. I want to get you books early where we can read them before they even get released. And I want to have conversations with the authors. So if you're interested in that, go to jamieivy.com slash Patreon and you'll find us. There we are. And you can just join our book club. I think you're going to love it. It's been a lot of fun. Friends, before we jump into hearing today's encounter story, I want to take a moment to share the story of another life changed through the gospel by the intentional generosity of a listener just like you. Like moths to a flame, tourists are drawn to the old town of Cartagena, Colombia. Inside the walled city, colonial-style buildings are painted in bright jewel tones and bright flowers cascade from balconies. Away from the cobblestone streets, the buildings become bare cinder block walls and dull tin roofs. This is the other side of Cartagena, Francisco's community. In Cartagena, roughly half the population live in desperate poverty. As a child, Francisco didn't have a home. He slept in the dusty parking lot of his 87-year-old great-grandfather's workplace. His clothes were kept inside a broken refrigerator. A battered metal cabinet stored his other precious possessions. His Bible and the hammock he folded himself into each night under the stars. At 
five years old, though, Francisco knew nothing of God. The streets of his neighborhood painted a bleak picture. One day, his great-grandfather took him to the local church. It was his mother's legacy. She had registered Francisco into the Compassion Child Sponsorship Program before she left. In the dim light of the church, he resolved that his life would be different, and he encountered the Lord. It was the moment I met God, Francisco said. He spoke to me and told me that he was going to transform me, that he was going to change me. And I realized I needed to find a new path, different from the one my family was on. If I hadn't met Jesus, if my great-grandfather had not taken me to church, I don't think I'd be here today. Compassion's Child Sponsorship Program surrounded Francisco and his great-grandfather with a team of people, including the project director, Enoch, who became like a surrogate mother to Francisco, along with his tutors and his sponsor, who helped him to keep moving forward. This year, Francisco will graduate from university as a technologist, the first member of his family to have a white-collar job. As Francisco walks home, he pictures the change he dreams of seeing. My hope for this community is that they will open their hearts to God because He is the only one who can transform our lives and change our way of thinking, he says. And secondly, that they would keep going because despite all the challenges and difficulties you may face in life, with God's help, you can make it through. Friends, Francisco's life was literally changed through Compassion International. Their whole goal is to release children from poverty in the name of Jesus. And they do that through its one-on-one child sponsorships. I would love it if you would consider sponsoring a child today. When you sponsor a child through Compassion, your $43 a month will provide food, clean water, education, medical and dental checkups, and above all else, it's going to provide the ability for this child to learn about Jesus and flourish through the local church. Also, your Compassion sponsorship doesn't just provide for the needs of the child, but Compassion cares for the whole family and their community. There are more than 100,000 children awaiting sponsorship. Listeners of the Happy Hour, you guys have partnered with Compassion throughout the past few years, accounting for more than 500 sponsorships. We hope to add to this number through our Summer Encounter series with the goal of 200 new sponsorships. Would you think about joining us in that goal to partner with Compassion in bringing hope to a child today? Simply text Ivy Media, that's I-V-E-Y Media, to 83393. Or go to Compassion.com slash Ivy Media. The link is also in the show notes. That's Compassion.com slash Ivy Media. Together, you and I can partner with the global church to give transformational hope to families around the world. All right, you guys, here is my conversation with Kaylee. Hey, Kaylee, welcome to the happy hour. Ah, thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm excited to have you here because a lot of times when I interview people, it's like, oh, I know them or I know what they're doing and all this stuff. And I feel like I'm sitting down with a brand new friend having coffee and yet the whole world gets to listen to um, our coffee date that we're about (laughs) to have. So if that's okay with you, we'll let the whole world listen to it. Um, I'm glad you're here. I'd love it if you introduce yourself to my listeners. Yeah, my name is Kaylee Morgan. Um, I work for an organization called Be The Bridge. Um, I was, when we met, I was the youth and university program manager. Um, However, I just recently shifted roles within Be The Bridge. Um, I am now the content manager. And so I run all things social media, any communication between our organization and um, our followers or our people who are in our Be The Bridge groups. Um, I manage all of that communication now. 
Kaylee, that was like, we met like five weeks ago. Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. In case someone is not familiar with Be The Bridge, um, we've had Latasha Morrison, the founder of Be The Bridge on the podcast a handful of times. So I highly recommend you guys listen to those episodes when she's joined us. But for anybody new who's like, I don't even know what Be The Bridge is. I am a big supporter of Be The Bridge. And so will you tell us what is Be The Bridge? Yeah, we are a racial reconciliation organization. And so a lot of our work starts with um, conversations. Genuinely, that is even how our organization came about. It was Latasha gathering a group of her closest friends in Austin, Texas, and realizing that there was a problem. Um, There was a bit of a racial turmoil in our country. And so she was very conflicted on what to do about it. And she really felt led of the spirit to just invite a group of people over, watch a few movies, and literally just talk about it. And that grew uh, substantially. Um, as we all know, the the world has been a little dicey when it comes to racial matters uh, over the last few years. Um, we actually turned seven in June. Um, it'll be the month that we're recording this, actually. Mm-hmm. We turned seven as an organization. And so we just really are about promoting racial literacy. Um, We find that oftentimes people don't want to have the conversation because they don't have the words. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of our work goes to providing that language and that verbiage for people to engage in this conversation, to educate not only themselves, but their communities. Um, And it's just like the ripple effect. You know, if you can just worry about what's in your little community, uh, they'll go out to their communities Mm -hmm. and they'll go out to theirs. And it just hopefully we'll go across the world. I mean, we are a global organization. And so it all started with a simple conversation. I love it so much. And I think one of the things that I'm always a little prideful about, I don't know if it's wrong or right, is that I was in that very first group with Latasha. And I remember meeting um, in downtown Austin at the um, African American Cultural Center, I think that I don't, it's not a museum center, maybe. And I would have said, Kaylee, that I thought I had a grip on um, racial issues. And more than that, I would have said I had an understanding, which Mm. is a very prideful thing to say as a white woman. (laughs) Um, But I would have said that I did. I I mean, I had three black children in my home. We lived on the east side of Austin. I just felt like this is going to be great. I can't wait to contribute to the conversation. And I abruptly realized (laughs) that I needed to close my mouth and listen. And I will never forget some of those first meetings. In fact, one of the times, uh, it was a a mixed group. There were um, black women, white women, Hispanic, Asian, like Tasha did a really great job of of helping us feel pretty cultured in that room. And I'll never forget one of the exercises that she had us do is everyone went around and shared about a time in their life that they felt... um, that they felt that something happened to them because of their skin color, that they felt like a a racist moment or they felt prejudice against them. And none of the white women had anything to say. Hmm. And all of the women of color, it felt as if they were picking from a a plethora of moments that they wanted to share. Maybe the least painful in a room of strangers, you know? Hmm. And that, I mean, I just got chills thinking about that again because that was a profound moment for me. And you talk about this language that you guys are helping. That's what it was for me is it not only gave me language, 
I had to sit with people and hear their stories and it gave me more understanding than I ever could. And so I will just forever be a fan to be the bridge and Latasha and the way that her work has impacted me. So it's an honor to know you and to see the work that you get to do alongside of them. But that's not what we're here to talk about today, although we could for a long time. <laughs> um, go back and listen to those episodes with Latasha. We'll put them in the show notes if you want to hear more. But Kaylee, this is where in the middle, almost towards the end, honestly, of our encounter series. And um, it's a series we do every summer where we invite people on to tell us, what did it look like for you to meet Jesus? And when I met you a couple of weeks ago at a conference, you just randomly dropped a little nugget about when you got saved. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. I want to hear more about this. Would you share with me on my podcast? So <laughs> here comes the coffee date that everyone's invited to. Kayla, I'd love for you to share, like, what was life growing up for you? Did you have faith as a young child? And then when did Jesus intersect your life? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I grew up in a very, very small town in Missouri, like a very small farm town, really. Okay. Um, and no, I didn't. I didn't really grow up with the faith. Uh, my mom, she she told us probably about Jesus, maybe at some point in time. But in this very small town, it is the Midwest. Um, we do claim the Bible Belt there. I don't okay. know if we're legitimately the Bible Belt, but it feels like it. Yeah. And so it's one of those areas where, like, if you stayed the night with somebody on a Saturday. You were strategic about it because you went to church with them on Sunday. Okay. And so you found out really quick who had the cool youth groups. <laughs> and that's yep. who you said yes to the sleepovers. Got, it. Got um, it. And so I always say that I grew up with the idea of Jesus. Like I knew about this guy, but I didn't know him mm -hmm. specifically. Mm -hmm. And so growing up in this small town, um, a very, um, really white town. Mm -hmm. I, our high school had 800 students in it. And when I was in the high school, we had eight black students, including myself. Mm -hmm. And so that was the, the world that I grew up in a very white Christian town with no real faith that I was mm -hmm. walking in. I was always morally sound. I would say I was always a good kid, wasn't getting into trouble, but didn't have any rhyme or reason, really. And so I didn't actually meet Jesus until I was in college. Um, and on top of that, I was a senior in college. Mm. Um, and so it's funny, I just actually met up with my high school principal. She, We both moved to Florida uh, okay. in the same area. And so we actually got coffee and she actually got to come see me preach not too long ago. And so it was really fun uh, being able to see her and she knew me my freshman year and it wouldn't be eight years later until I met Jesus. Mm. And so she has gotten to see really that whole transformative process. She's a believer. Um, she would try to talk to me about Jesus. Um, I maybe thought I was too cool. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just like, wasn't really having it. Um, yeah. But yeah, it wasn't until college that Jesus came and really like changed my whole entire life. 
really. I love that. And it is for me as a mom raising kids who, you know, hear about Jesus and, 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 and know about Jesus. I, I hear a lot of people's stories of how college was such a transformative moment for them. And I see my kids going into college and I just pray big things for them as well. I think I might've told you this when we met, like I met Jesus in college as well, mm -hmm. grew up in a Christian home, would have said I was a Christian, no fruit in my life, acting a fool, did not look like a Christian. Um, but I knew a lot about God and would have said, oh yeah, I, I choose to follow him. And I know Jesus died on the cross and I just don't want to go to hell, you know, whatever that was. Right. Um, and so I, I love college life for kids because there's such a unique opportunity for them to meet Jesus. So you head off to university and what was your college, what were your college years like? Yeah. So it's really funny. I was just laughing about it with my friends the other day, but I really went to college to run track. Um, I don't know about anybody else. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, <laughs> graduating high school, um, I think I changed my major like four times. So Isn't really it crazy that we ask 18 year olds to decide what they're going to do for the rest of their life. Yes. I was just talking to my, my youngest brother just graduated high school. He's 18. And he was like, Kaylee, I just, I really don't know. And I was like, Hey, that's okay. I didn't figure it out till I was 25. Yep. So mm -hmm. we're good. Yep. Um, and even then there's some days where I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I know. I know. I laugh that what I do today as a podcaster didn't exist when I was in college or high school. Like, it's just like, yeah, there's, there's things that are going to be invented that you don't even know about that you could be, that could be your job for the rest of your life. It's great. Yeah. I have three degrees. I don't use them. I don't use a single one of them. Um, I, I don't know, know who I was three degrees. Look at you. Yeah, I do. I do. And I just got accepted into seminary. So I'm getting my master's. So congrats, congrats. All of the, you know, just adding more. Just I love it. I love it. Where are you going yeah. to seminary? Uh, Dallas Theological Seminary. Love it. Love it. Yes. Love it. Love it. Okay. We got sidetracked. College. You go to run track. Tell me about that as well. Yeah. I um, was a three-sport athlete in high school. Uh, had options to kind of play basketball, play softball even, or run track in college. And I decided to go to the local university. So I stayed, stayed local. Uh, they gave me the most scholarship money. And so I said, absolutely twist my arm. I'll be there. Yep. And so, yeah, I go to run track and field. And my freshman year, there was a teammate of mine. Um, that's very, very, a big part of my story, actually. Um, but I couldn't stand her. I wasn't one to not really like people, but this girl, she would say the same in this time frame. You she guys did worst. not like each other. <laughs> we did not like each other. We had no business not liking each other. It's not like we did the same event mm -hmm. in track or anything. We just had this weird tension beef. Um, and that lasted a good like two and a half years into my into my track and field career. Um, this girl that I could not stand. Um, and I had to practice alongside her. And even though like running and practicing and like our sport is people's punishments, really, <laughs> like we are running and everyone does that for punishment. We're like, oh, this is fun. Yeah. Um, and that normally bonds you with people. But I just, y'all, I don't know, even know how to explain it. I just could not stand her. Mm -hmm. And that lasts all the way up until my senior year of track and field. And I had been successful. Um, I was a multiple All-American at this point. I was 
um, highly, highly considering running professionally. This was going to be, this was going to be my life. I was going to be a track and field athlete, um, had management on like deck for when I graduated, like had endorsements ready to go, was legit successful. This, this was my whole identity mm-hmm. was being a track and field athlete. And then in this senior year, in the last semester of it, I lose my um, great aunt. Um, I experience a death in my family and the teammate who I could not stand um, also lost her sister. Mm. Same day, their services were on the same day. We missed the same amount of um, practice. And because the Lord has jokes, this entire four years of my career, my locker was next to this girl Mm -hmm. that I could not stand because Mm -hmm. the Lord has a sense of humor. And so we get back to practice. Um, The very first day back after being gone, um, and our teammates had written these beautiful notes and put them all in our lockers. And it's very rare for you to be the only person in the locker room, let alone the only person with one other person. Mm -hmm. And it was just her and I. And we sat there and we were reading letters and she was crying. Um, And because I am not a horrible human being, (laughs) I look over at her and I'm like, hey, are you are you okay?" And she looks me dead in my eyes and goes, no. And I was like, oh, okay. Normally people just say, yeah. Uh (laughs) So I'm like, oh, great. Now Uh, now I have to (laughs) to figure this out. And I was like, oh, um, I'm sorry. And it was like really awkward. Like I, I think I present that I'm super like good with people. And then I get in these moments where I'm like, I don't know words. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and so we, we like sit in this really awkward silence mm. and I'm like looking down cause I don't want to look at her cause I don't know what to do. And she's like sniffling and she finally like looks up and it like catches my eye. Right. So then we're making eye contact and she goes, will you go to church with me on Sunday? Out of nowhere. And because I'm super awkward, and didn't know what to do. And she's like crying. I was like, sure. Right. Like, I don't yeah. like her. She doesn't like me. Now I'm going to church with her on Sunday. Wow. And, uh, you know, we fast forward to Sunday and I think I had maybe shared this with you. Um, I talk about often that God will put something familiar in front of us, uh, to remind us that he's there and that he's present. Mm. Um, and it could be the littlest of things. And so I'm going to rewind a second. When I was in elementary school in our very small town, my younger brother and I, um, I have a brother who's four years younger than me. His name is Trayton and Trayton and I used to walk to elementary school together. Um, and we'd walk home. And so when I would get out of class, I would walk up to his teacher's door, say hello to his teacher. Um, Hello, Mrs. Quaddy. That's what I would say every day. Pick him up and we'd go home. And that was every day of my fifth grade career. Um, fast forward to Sunday. We go to our this college-age service and I walk in and the very first person that I see is Mrs. Quaddy. And so I like walk up to her and I'm like, 
hey, Mrs. Quaddy. Um, and she gives me like this huge hug. Come to find out her husband is the college age pastor at this church. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of connect again. Um, I meet up with my teammate. We sit next to each other and we we listen to the service. And at the end, you know, he gave the like salvation call. Like if anyone wants to accept Jesus and something in me just was like, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't like a, a show or it was literally a feeling in my body mm-hmm. that like made my hand raise. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I gave my life to Jesus and I have not looked back. And this August will be seven years. It'll be seven years that I've been a believer. Seven years and be the bridge of seven years. I mean, I just think that's really cool too. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent, being there day and night, and building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. So you're at this service, and I think it's just, I remember you telling me this when we met about how you ended up going with the girl that you hated your entire college career. And isn't yeah. God just hilarious that that all those years he knew, just wait, because in two years, you're going to be sitting next to her in church, knowing me for the very first time. So this happens, and you know, growing up in the Bible Belt, knowing about Jesus, you have this experience, you have this moment. 
what did that look like the next day? What did it look like for you to say like, oh, okay. So like now I'm following Jesus. Like what was it like with you and that friend? Like what happened after this? Yeah. So I ended up in a discipleship group. Um, I, I gave my life to Jesus, ended up in my brother's first grade teacher's discipleship group. So now I'm going over to her house and she's showing me pictures of my brother when (laughs) that was her student. Uh Um, and we met every Wednesday. Um, they would cook us dinner. Um, I met with some other girls, funnily enough, they were all Bible college students. So it's like all these Bible college students. And then me who feels very, um, not versed, Mm. (laughs) um, in the word, Mm -hmm. but had this hunger. I had a really, really deep hunger. And I remember being told to read Luke. Uh, Luke was the first book of the Bible that I read um, in its completion. Uh, That wasn't just like a verse here or a verse there. Mm -hmm. Um, And then crazily enough, after I accepted Jesus, not too long after, I ended up tearing my labrum in my hip. Um, And so all of those track and field offers that I had, I had an invitation to go to the trials. Um, I was supposed to be in the Rio Olympics, um, lost it all, couldn't compete, had to have surgery. And all of the sudden, this identity that I had built up as a track and field athlete was gone. Mm-hmm. And so my first year of being a believer Um, I studied identity, Mm. my identity in Christ, because I only knew Kaylee, the athlete. Mm -hmm. I was Kaylee, the track star. Mm -hmm. I was on our college's commercials. I was on our billboards. I was like the local little celebrity track star. Mm. And that's what I knew. And so funnily enough, shortly after I became a believer, all of that left and I took a whole year I mean, I was, I had hip surgery. I was stuck in a bed for like months um, and couldn't run, couldn't do any of my normal like outlets. And so I read the Bible and studied Mm. my identity and just developed this incredibly deep, deep, deep love uh, for the word. So much so that I ended up moving to Dallas and became an intern at a church maybe like six months or so, like, I think in that time frame, like, I think a year and a half after I was a believer, yeah, um, ended up an intern at a church. Um, and then even from there became a college age minister, um, back at the same church that I met Jesus at, um, wow. and got to, um, do outreach to the college that I went to. Um, and had a partnership with the track team and got to feed them and just talk to them about Jesus. And um, yeah, it really just, I always have said that my faith has been expedited. Mm. Um, Everything I felt like happened so fast. I ended up preaching and teaching and um, writing about Jesus um, for other people and discipling people. And I mean, I was a... I think it was a college age minister. I was on my second year of being a Christian. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like it makes no sense. <laughs> like, mm. um, but the Lord, I guess had plans and needed it to be fast. Um, yeah. Fast track. Yeah. 
What was your relationship like with your teammate after that? Oh, yes. We became best friends after that. Oh, are Um, you serious? Yep. I was in her wedding. Um, If slash when I get married, she will be in mine. Um, She, at one point in time, we both lived in New York at the same time. So that was super fun. Um, But yeah, we are like, super close. We talk still. Um, we don't hate each other. That's for sure. <laughs> but yeah, we, we became best of friends and, um, all of our other teammates were really, really confused. Uh, mm-hmm. when we came back that Monday, um, super tight. <laughs> I think it's crazy the way that God uses regular things in our world often to bring us to him. And I also am like, so not the word I'm trying to think of like is how awesome I can just think of awesome. Like I'm sure there's a better word (laughs) that God would be not only just like this thing out there for you, but he'd be like your savior and your Lord and your friend when you went through one of probably the hardest times up until that moment in your life of losing everything in front of you. Um, Did you have any moments where you were angry at God about that? I mean, you're a new believer and I think that seasons believers like, and God can handle our anger. I don't think it's wrong to be angry at God, but what was that like for you with your relationship with him when everything was stripped from you just in a moment? Oh yeah. I was super frustrated. I was like, look, if this is it, I don't want it. (laughs) You can take it back. (laughs) Like you can take that back. Yeah. Um, What was really nice though, was that when I, there was the frustration. Like, don't get me wrong. I was, mm-hmm. I was bedridden. You have a lot of time to think and you yeah. have a lot of time to be mad and ask the Lord a lot of tough questions. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also can say that I, growing up, I had teammates. I didn't necessarily have friends. Mm. Um, and I, so depending on the sport I was playing, um, depended on who I hung out with, who I was around. Mm -hmm. There was never a really like solid person that like was in every season with me Mm -hmm. until I became a Christian. And until I like learned what actual community is and what Mm -hmm. actually living life together is. Mm -hmm. I would say prior to that moment, um, I had what I, what I call now convenient friendships we have the same schedules. Um, so naturally we're available at the same time. Um, there's no questions about that. Um, so because I had only had convenient friendships and I've had teammates when my track career was over, I lost my track community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so in another scenario without the Lord, I would have been, not only would my, um, career have been taken away, but I would have lost all my friends at the same time. Mm. And so because I had known the Lord, um, I actually had a group of people to come alongside me. And so it's been that, that lesson comes, I think in retrospect. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know that I necessarily had grasped that in the moment. I was aware of it because I was like, wow, these people aren't leaving my side. Like literally they're sitting next to the bed. (laughs) Um, but I've just noticed that a lot. There is, um, I think perspective is key 
on a lot of those times when you are, whether you're dealing with a loss of career, a loss of just what you thought your life would look like Mm. to um, losing a loved one, Mm. right? There's, there's always that inkling of blaming God. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think in a lot of those spaces, because we're so zoomed in, it's hard to see where God is still showing up. Mm. Um, Where God showed up in that moment by surrounding me, allowing me to be saved before I lost my career. Mm -hmm. Um, And allowing me to have a community in a time where I would be like, who even am I? Mm -hmm. He gave me a group of people who could speak into that and be like, you know, you weren't Kaylee, the track athlete. You were Kaylee who happened to do track. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's the reality of your situation. So yes, I was angry, but I can see the good of where God was in that transition in my life. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent. Being there day and night and building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. I love that you say the perspective is everything and even hindsight is really, really great. And I think one of the things that I've learned walking with Jesus for the last, I don't know, 20 something years is that when I notice that hindsight and when you're acknowledging the hindsight that you're noticing, it is for me important that I kind of mark that and remember that because I'm going to be in a situation again where I'm so in it. I'm so zoned in, like you say, so zoomed in that it's hard to see what's happening around me. But it's in those moments that I can go, okay, I've been through something like this before, maybe different, maybe this, da, da, da. And as I looked back on it, I was able to see God's hand all over it. And so, okay, Jamie, I'm, I'm in this situation now. I'm going to trust that God's hands over it, even if I can't see it. That's, right. what that, that's what that does for me is like looking back and seeing that. And I'm glad you brought that up because I think a lot of people don't mark those moments as much as they should. Oh yeah. I, that is like one of my biggest um, teaching moments is perspective and just remembering. Um, Cause in those moments when we're so frustrated, we have to remember who God is and God's not out here trying to spite us. Right. He didn't right. want me to be sad about mm-hmm. losing my career. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that it is a funny timing in which I meet him. Um, and he became my identity. Mm. He took the thing that I was obsessed with um, and he made sure that it was him that I was obsessed on, with mm. and that him I was looking on. Um, but it just, it, it set me up for so much. Um, 
but yeah, I think perspective is key. So then when you are in those tough scenarios, like you said, you can remember the goodness of God. Be like, okay, in this moment, I am frustrated. Yes, I am angry. And that's okay. And he can take that. Mm -hmm. But let me zoom out and let me find the good in this scenario. Because there's a lot of times where you have to sift through the gunk to find the goodness, but it's there. Like, Mm -hmm. I promise you, whatever it is that people are walking through, you can find at least one little golden nugget um, that is representative of the goodness of God. I love it so much. I just was reading recently um, in Deuteronomy and it was talking about um, like Deuteronomy 8 and it was talking about how remember what God has done for you. And he was talking to the Israelites as he took care of them in the desert and remember what he's done for you. And it actually does say like, remember the Lord, your God for is him. He swore to you these things. Um, and I think that's what we have to do often is we have to say like, okay, I'm going to remember what's happened so that it comes up again. It's so great. Um, Kaylee now walking with the Lord for seven years. Um, mm-hmm working with the ministry, you seems like you worked with lots of ministries, um, in the past. Um, what is your hope for college kids? I mean, you were saved in college. Um, Lacey was on here all, earlier, Lacey Abercrombie. She was saved in college. Yeah. I was saved in college. I was just like, I told you already, I like, I'm just like college kids rock. What is your like hope for this generation that's in college right now? Oh yeah. I think this generation specifically in college, cause we're looking at what Gen Z, Gen mm-hmm. Z is in the group in college right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And then alpha is coming up behind them. This is such a, I could take this in two different ways because I can like look at it in a justice bend Mm -hmm. and be like, oh yeah, this group is awesome. Like I don't have any worries about whether or not the Be The Bridge mission is going to keep going. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, They're on it. But I also think that this generation is so hungry for the Lord Mm. and even more so like, legitimate truth while all around them, they're hearing, you know, speak your truth, mm-hmm. your truth. But what I see in this generation is a group of people looking after or striving after the truth, which mm-hmm. is Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so I won't be surprised if the generations that come have many stories like ours where they were saved in college and that they just have this hunger and desire. And my ultimate goal, again, I, as you know, when we met at this, at this conference, I had mentioned that because I was a track and field athlete, that is mm-hmm. the way the Lord teaches me like ministry concepts or mm-hmm. even faith concepts. And it's funny because when I think about my hope for this generation, it actually is more so the responsibility of the generation above them, which would be millennials, mm-hmm. um, is that my hope is that the millennials pass the baton well. Mm -hmm. In a relay race, you could have the fastest runners imaginable, but if their handoffs are trash, they'll lose. Mm -hmm. And they will lose to a team who on paper they should never lose to. Mm. Um, In track and field, on the relay teams, we spend 90% of our time working on handoffs and only 10% of the time actually working on our running form. Sometimes in the church, I get worried that we don't transition well. I believe this generation coming up is more than capable of keeping the charge going and keeping the fight going and Mm -hmm. really doing 
incredible, incredible work for the kingdom and for the world, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. My biggest concern actually is with the millennials, making sure that we transition this well mm-hmm. and that we are setting up the next generation to take it over. Um, I have all the faith in Gen Z. I have all the faith in Gen Alpha. I, I talk to them on the regular. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my younger brothers. It's my friends' kids, right? It's the mm-hmm. my youth group students at my church that I'm running and leading. I'm, I'm engaged with this group all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have so much hate um, that's surrounding them. Mm-hmm. But I have no, no question on whether or not they're going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my question is, are we going to allow them to be awesome? Uh, that's my biggest concern. That's really good. And the analogy with the relay is um, understandable for everyone. And especially those of you that compete in track and field. And it can just, you talk about things going wrong. I mean, if that, you know, third leg runs up on the fourth leg, you scratch them all up. You can't get the handoff right. The hand's there. You can't get in mm-hmm. there. Um, and if that fourth leg takes off too soon, then the third leg's having to struggle to get there. And it is really such like a, how do we make a smooth transition? And it's a really good analogy. Um, Kaylee, I'm grateful for the work that you're doing at Be The Bridge. And I'm thankful for the work you're doing in your church and throughout the world. So grateful for those lockers being put next to each other, for yeah. those notes arriving at the same time, for you heading into church, uh, for the teacher there. I mean, just all the things that God put together in your life to show that he was after you, that he loved you, that he was coming for you. Uh, it's a really beautiful, beautiful thing. I would love to hear from you. What are you loving these days and what are you reading? Oh, yeah. What am I loving these days? Oh, man. How about I start with my what am I reading? Okay, go for it. <laughs> um, this is going to be like stereotypical. She'll be like, oh, she's a Christian. But I am reading the Action Bible. It's like really, it's like funny. But it's like a comic book Bible. I think my boys have that. I think we have that here at our house. Oh, yeah. It's incredible. Um, I recently was talking to a friend. And I'm so glad I'm reading it. Because, again, I was talking to a friend at church. And she was just like, I'm having such a hard time, like engaging the word. Um, It's just like not making like sense in a way. And I just like, I wish there was like a fun way to engage the word. And I had remembered prior that she told me she liked comic books. And I was like, Mm. actually, I have it right here. Like, again, I was in leading our youth group and I was reading, leading them in a lesson. And I was just like, they're not, they're not clicking. They're not engaging this. I need to switch things up. And I had happened to look at one of my students' phones and it was like a Marvel background. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, are you into comics? And she's like, yeah. And I felt like right then and there, the Lord was like, you're supposed to teach them out of the Action Bible. Um, and so I personally bought all of my students an Action Bible. Look and at you. we... We do lessons out of the Action Bible, and then I send them home to read whatever story we read in the Action Bible with their parents in the physical Bible. That is brilliant. And so they're like, first first engagement is with me through this comic book, um, and then with the intentions of them going home and being in the actual written like physical Bible. And so I love that I happened so to much. have one on me. And so I gave it to my friend. So yeah, that is what I'm reading right now. Um, what am I loving right now? Um, I live in St. Petersburg, Florida. 
home of the Tampa Bay Rays. Okay. Um, this, it is Tampa Bay Rays. However, their stadium is in St. Petersburg, and I'm going to take that. Okay. Um, and so I am I'm loving the Rays. I think I've been to seven games already. Wow, that's good. Um, three, literally three games in a row, like three days in a row was at the Okay. Um, at the Rays. Um, my very first date with my boyfriend was at the Rays. Like I just am loving the Rays. Okay. I'm I'm absolutely loving the Rays right now. Um, and I'm loving Hagen Das vanilla and almond ice cream bars. That's my go-to, go-to. Um, I love it. Snack. <laughs> I love it so much. Um, well, I love that you love the Action Bible, and what a great idea to read that with your students. Great idea, great idea. Um, Kaylee, I'm so grateful for you coming on and sharing your story, and I'm just cheering you on from Austin and everything you got going on and love the work that you guys are doing and wish you so much of the best as you head into back to school in the fall and super excited for everything you've got going on. Oh, yes. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure and I am so glad that God has connected us and I look forward to chatting soon. I'm sure this is going to happen soon. The Happy Hour is produced and hosted by myself, Jamie Ivey, with assistance from Nikki Ogden and Ashley Caldwell. And the show is edited by Jason Talley. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent, being there day and night, and building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.